0: Hey, Emma.
1: Yeah, Tyler.
0: I'm actually low-key obsessed with how progressive this episode is.
1: I mean, I think it's a fun episode, but I'm not sure what you mean by progressive.
0: I mean, like, stealing from the rich iconic.
1: The script says that I'm supposed to think that stealing is a bad thing. Is stealing a bad thing? Isn't (laughs) it supposed to be? Do
0: you really think someone with an excessive amount of wealth is ever going to notice the difference if two cents is missing?
1: I mean, I don't think anyone would notice if two cents went missing.
0: In that case, why just stop there? Why not just take what you need from the disgustingly rich?
1: Tyler, I'm not sure that's exactly the best mindset. Well,
0: I want to steal.
1: Well, for legal purposes, I think we should say that it's never, ever okay to steal from people. It's
0: especially not okay if you steal from people who have exorbitant amounts of wealth that they've built off the backs of the working class people. I'm looking at you, Jeff.
1: Remember kids, money is just a concept, it's not real.
0: Cancel my student debt, Joe. I'm Tyler Strandberg. And I'm Emma Meyer. And you're listening to Keyframe Reframe.
1: On this podcast, we watch the Cartoon Network show Over the Garden Wall and analyze the plots, themes, and characters. At the
0: end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10.
1: You're listening to Keyframe Reframe.
0: I am so sorry I had to put you through that for the cold open.
1: You made me say... That I was not okay with stealing from the rich. I
0: know. I'm so sorry about that. It's really
1: mean of me. Well, Uh, I don't know why I said that. That wasn't right. That was really mean of you. It
0: was mean of me, and I am incredibly sorry.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Well, today, I'm excited to talk about the fifth episode of the show titled Mad Love.
0: Yes, and this is the halfway point. So here we go. Here we go. Wirt and Greg claim to be the nephews of the wealthy and eccentric Quincy Endicott so they can steal two cents from him to pay for a ferry that will cross the river. In order to distract him, Greg, Greg's frog, and Fred convince Quincy to search for a ghost he supposedly saw one night. Beatrice reveals to Wirt that she was once human, but she and her family were cursed by a bluebird. She explains that Adelaide is the only one who can change them back, and Wirt reveals that he has a crush on a girl back home named Sarah. The groups reunite and discover that the ghost was, in fact, Quincy's neighbor and that their two mansions are actually connected. The two embrace each other and award Greg a cent each for his help. Wow! Which he then throws away. He made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> Throw
1: the money away.
0: Uncle Quincy was wrong. I got no sense, no sense at all.
1: This episode premiered on Cartoon Network on November fifth, twenty fourteen, and was written by Natasha Allegri and Zach Gorman.
0: Well, let's just uh, touch on some little things that need to be known here. The mm-hmm. moment when Endicott describes seeing a ghost is initially seen in the opening prelude of the first episode. I
1: remember the shadow passing yes, through? Yes, uh, and he
0: turns around dramatically. The drama! Oh my god, I'm obsessed with it. He's mad. Don't be mad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, a lot of this episode has to do with mystery, secrets, and madness. For example, the mansion itself is described as a labyrinth when Endicott has lost his sense
0: of self. The labyrinth in Greek mythology is a structure created by Daedalus. Nailed it. Sure, to hold the monster, the Minotaur, and it was designed to be so complicated it was nearly inescapable. So the Minotaur would never escape and wreak havoc. Actually, it's said in the myth that Dileidis,
1: <laughs> the
0: the creator of the labyrinth, uh-huh. um, barely escaped himself because <gasps> that's how difficult he made it. Oh
1: my goodness! Mm-hmm.
0: Couldn't even escape his own creation.
1: This is also reflected in the fact that Endicott doesn't know the layout of his own mansion. Hence, the idea of getting lost in the labyrinth as well as the two houses actually being connected. So he's literally unaware of where he is. And
0: this is also reflected in that Endicott's own mind could be a labyrinth, trapping him in his own thoughts without any possibility of escape. Maybe he's mad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love the way that they just make fun of exorbitant wealth.
0: Oh my God. In this episode. (laughs) Because it
1: feels really accurate.
0: Yeah. I love it. That's how I imagine like... Mr. Bezos and Mr. Mm-hmm. Gates are living their lives. Or just
1: really any Architectural Digest yes. video. <laughs> any
0: any stockbroker. Same who, thing. Same yes. character, same I've person. I've seen the Wolf of Wall Street, okay? <laughs> I, I know the facts.
1: <laughs> well, this episode talks about mysteries a lot, but it also has a lot of secrets, some of which are answered, like the identity of Marguerite Gray, why Beatrice is a bird, and Wurtz Secret love infatuation. With Sarah. I'm
0: so, that's so cute. Isn't Jason Funderburker brought up in this episode too? Absolutely, he is. he is. is. We will get to him We'll get to (laughs) him. And some of these secrets still remain hidden, Mm -hmm. such as what caused the suspicious mess in the bedroom? But more importantly, what filthy things did Endicott do to earn his money? What blood is on his hands? His
1: dirty hands. I mean. Filthy hands. He's British and he's in the tea trade so I think we can do some we can do some inferences. Even the questions about Marguerite Gray and Endicott being ghosts or if they're not ghosts is left ambiguous at the end of the episode. Hmm. Hmm. What do
0: you think?
1: I totally think they're ghosts. I mean if we think back to like Pottsfield, Mm -hmm. right? Like Those people were dead.
0: Well, does this mean that everyone in the unknown is dead or just like on their way to death?
1: We'll leave that for the series wrap up.
0: That's ambiguous (laughs) because I'm like, hmm, what about Beatrice then? What about the woodsman? (laughs) What about the woodsman's daughter?
1: Right. Well, I mean, this is another episode where death is a really, really prevalent Yeah,
0: I mean, like, just like many other of the episodes in here, I mean, it it pops up and keeps reinforcing itself throughout the series, debatably, like, since the first episode, too. Oh,
1: for sure. For example, this episode introduces the need for two pennies to ride the ferry to reach Adelaide.
0: Which also ties back to Greek mythology, when a small fee in the form of a coin was needed for Charon, the ferryman, to take the newly departed over the rivers Styx and Archiron. Sure, You know what? I am not Greek. (laughs) 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 Into the land of the dead.
1: Another example is the presence of Endicott's peacocks, the symbol of immortality and eternal life after death.
0: Endicott himself explains that he is crossing into the abyss, never to return.
1: Okay, wait. Speaking of the peacocks, I am so afraid of birds. Oh my god, yes. It is a huge problem. I'm kind of working on it, but I'm also not wrong for being afraid of
0: birds. No, I don't blame you.
1: Thank you. But the moment where the peacock, like, jumps through the window, and it it scares me every time. (laughs) And the fact that it symbolizes immortal life Mm -hmm. just shows how powerful birds are.
0: I'm not sure if that's just peacocks or if it's specifically a white peacock, because I know that in Harry Potter, the... Um, when Voldemort is staying at the Malfoys, there's a white peacock that sits on the hedge, which also symbolizes the immortality of Voldemort, supposedly.
1: Holy crap.
0: Yeah. There's okay. a theory, actually. People don't know if it's actually a white peacock or if it's a Patronus, <gasps> which it would be very fitting if it was Voldemort's Patronus to symbolize immortality.
1: Oh my God. Is this a Harry Potter podcast?
0: Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I read the books a few months ago. <laughs> We're Top over it. <laughs>
1: Top of mind. <laughs> As we mentioned earlier, we do get a lot of insight into two of our characters who get to spend a lot of time together in this Mm -hmm. episode, and that is Beatrice and Wirt. Um, For example, we learn why Beatrice is pushing so much to go to Adelaide. Yeah,
0: I mean, in The Hard Times at Husk and Bee, she said, in a sense, I'm trying to find my way home, too. Mm -hmm. She's turned into a bluebird because she threw a rock at one. That's the moral of the story. Which... We also saw in the introduction, mm-hmm. we didn't see her throw the rock, but we did see Beatrice. Yes, we did. No, we saw her sitting by the river and she's she looking sad. Around. She doesn't throw it. You just see a bluebird fly by and she turns and looks at it. Oh, you're right. It. You're right. Yeah.
1: Anyway. But that's
0: what happens. <laughs> she gets turned into a bluebird after that.
1: Well, in the last episode, we also saw the tavern keeper say, Bluebirds bring bad luck, which could insinuate the curse put on by Beatrice after she threw the rock at the bluebird.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. As for Wirt's side of things, this episode continues to progress his character's journey by peeling back some more of those layers of his personality. He
1: is just a complicated sad boy, isn't he? He truly
0: is, and we love him for that.
1: Well, in the previous episode, we saw how anxious he is once again, how stubborn he is once again, and how unsure of himself he is.
0: In this episode, he's telling Beatrice things about himself, and he acts as if they're things that he has to keep private from others. And even though, like, just like Beatrice, Beatrice says, they're just normal things. It's so sad. It's like, why are you ashamed of yourself, buddy? Being a
1: teenager like, is hard. It
0: really is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't know he's a teenager yet, but he is a teenager. We can infer. We but, can. Yeah. They constantly refer to them as children. I remember back in Schooltown Follies when Miss Langtree constantly referred to mm. Wirt and Greg as children. hmm hmm So, Emma, tell me who your favorite character was.
1: You know, speaking of word, he is my favorite character in this episode. Wow,
0: really? Yes,
1: yes. And you know, I think I, throughout the series, and I know this is just a part of his character growth, I am just annoyed with how his insecurities tear down people around him. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that I feel like we see him coming into himself more. He's opening up, right, with Beatrice, and we see their friendship change, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, up until this moment, he was really annoying to me. Also, my favorite line in this episode is when they emerge into Marguerite's house. Yes. And he has the line about the French Rococo style over Endicott's Georgian sensibilities. Yes, I'm
0: obsessed with that. So
1: funny. What are your thoughts?
0: I completely agree. I love that. We will touch on that in a few more episodes, actually. Um I got to admit, my favorite line is, I want to steal. And therefore, my favorite character is Fred the Horse.
1: Oh, my God. That is so funny.
0: He is hysterical. It's this episode. I love when he gets, like, freaked out, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'll never steal again. I'll live an honest life and get an honest job. And I'm like, buddy, it's okay. But
1: don't you think it's crazy that at the end of the episode, Fred ends up working for them? I know. He sells himself back into— He is a class traitor. He sells himself back into the system.
0: I hate, like— hate that journey for him, but also he is the funniest character this episode, and I am obsessed with that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Is, yeah, just very, very funny. Also, mm-hmm. like, side note, no, fuck the rich, eat the rich. Yeah. And the cat does not deserve that much money. Fred is totally justified in stealing from Absolutely. them.
1: Absolutely. Marguerite doesn't either.
0: Nope, she does not. The fact that they didn't even know that their houses were connected, that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Red flag. Red mm-hmm. flag. Okay, <laughs> what did you rate this episode? I have a feeling I'm going to know.
1: So... Actually, I think I'm going to surprise you. Oh, okay. I rated this episode uh, seven.
0: <gasps> wow. Yeah, you did really surprise mm-hmm. me with that. Mm-hmm.
1: I do really love this episode. Um, and again, it's very quotable. But for me, outside of words development, there aren't a ton of major advancements for the overall plot in Over the Garden Wall. We just see... You know, they're trying to figure out how to get on this ferry, right? Mm -hmm. So they can get to Adelaide's, which they don't even use the money to get on that ferry. No. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. Right. Um, But outside of Word's development, there really isn't a lot there. I mean, like I said, love the characters, love the episode, um, but I had to give this one a little bit lower of a rating.
0: Okay. Just trying
1: to be an honest critic.
0: It's okay. Just that's, trying
1: to break it up. That's
0: what shakes things up, and I appreciate that. Thank you for <laughs> your honesty. Yeah,
1: tell me tell me what your thoughts were.
0: Um, so, I gave this episode a nine.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I think this is, like, one of the most quotable episodes. Mm-hmm. Endicott is one of the most memorable characters. Fred the Horse is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I love... The relationship between Endicott and Greg specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's like, What's wrong, Anki? You seem so tense. Cute. And he's like, Oh, you know me well, nephew. <laughs> and it's like, hey, don't. <laughs> totally. I don't. Mean, totally. I'm obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's very fun. I love that. And I think the advancement of the characters is kind of what bumps it up. Like, the last episode, I gave an eight for mm-hmm. these same reasons. Um, but knowing learning these things about the characters especially beatrice and war kind of bumped it up to a 9 for yeah. me
1: yeah i'm not i'm not mad about that rating
0: i i think this is one of the this is a great mix of like character development and like fun mm, you know mm-hmm, i thought mm-hmm. like the last episode was just like pure fun, you know, yeah. just like not really important as compared to school time volleys, which I think is like exorbitant amounts of fun. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we love over the garden wall. Yes,
0: it is. So it's just like, there's different things to love in different episodes for different people. Totally. Totally.
1: That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Sonnevent Productions, and AA Watermelons on Twitter, who made our cover art.
0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it.
1: Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is keyframereframe at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at keyframereframe.
0: I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven.
1: I'm Emma Meyer, the co-host of this show. You can follow me on Instagram at Emma Lee Meyer. That's E-M-M-A-L-E-I-G-H-M-Y-H-R-E.
0: Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.